Thanks for finding Organic Matters wherever you find it. Appreciate you tuning in. For this part of the show, I'm going to do a little this and that, I call it. I try to do this one quarter of my show each week. Just little facts I come across I think should be interesting. Uh, right now, I'm just, I don't know if you've done it, it's still plenty of winter left. Let's talk a little bit about how to take care of backyard birds through the winter. You know, I don't like the cold weather like I used to. The weather just makes me kind of seek, I'm going to call refuge in the house somewhere. But what about the birds? They just have to fluff their feathers and figure out where to stay warm as best they can. Well, they are well adapted to doing that. But there's a general agreement among ornithologists that we can make it easier for them to tough out really the harshest of weathers. Here's a checklist to help you do your part, not only for birds, but For other animals like squirrels and chipmunks, which I happen to like also, despite some of their summer shenanigans that people (laughs) are not always happy about. Before a storm hits or during these breaks in the weather, stock up on winter food supplies, seeds, extra feeders, and even extra birdhouses. I'll explain that in a little bit. Black oil, sunflower seed, or the blends that are high in black oil, sunflower seeds are excellent choices. They provide the nutrients many birds need and attract a wide variety of birds, which is kind of fun for me. You can also put out other food sources that are high in fat. These include, and these have gotten very easy to find most places, suet. But you can use meat scraps, and I have a friend that even puts out peanut butter. And and that's despite the fact that he was once told that Peanut butter would cause the birds to choke. Well, that's just not true. (laughs) When you're at the grocery store, pick up a bag of raw peanuts. It's really great. In the shell, real raw ones now. It's fun to watch the birds, especially where I am. The blue jays carry them off to a tree branch and peck at them to get to their reward and then come back after more. For your first-time uh, feeders, you just it might be inclined to go grab just the least expensive bag you can find at the store. However, budget blends are typically best suited for ground-feeding birds like quail or doves, which if you like them, that's great. Doesn't matter. However, most people tend to want to attract perching songbirds, and they prefer premium blends with higher percentages of sunflower seeds and nuts, if you can find them. And my favorite, although a bit expensive, is if they have safflower. That'll bring you a whole new set of birds. Add mealworms if you really want to get to uh, excite your feathered friends. Once the birds know the mealworms are available, they, they'll, they'll disappear quickly. Not hardly any birds will turn down those mealworms you can buy now. And remember, not all feeders are really created equal. Some are better than others at keeping seed dry. This is important because if seed gets wet, sometimes it's susceptible to fungal and bacterial growth when the weather gets warmer that's not safe for your birds. Several good feeder choices are hopper and tube feeders, which are pretty easy to keep clean. Be aware that hopper feeders are squirrel magnets, but you can also get squirrel-proof feeders if you want to spend the extra. But be aware that a good squirrel can jump five feet vertically and eight or ten feet between objects if he's got a little altitude. (laughs) Depending on the structure of your feeder, you may want to add a squirrel baffle to the post. This doesn't happen often, but there happens to be a bird illness of some kind that that breaks out in your area. Kind of heed the advice of whether or not to remove your feeders. Usually the local Audubon clubs will sure uh, know what's going on and keep you informed. And if the winter gets even colder than normal or for periods in your area, depending on where you are, it becomes really harsh. The birds really do appreciate your efforts in putting out an extra feeder or two. 
It just helps them get through times when, uh, especially if you happen to get snow or like we had last week, an ice storm for a few days, uh, it helps to uh, really, really have that extra feeder or two out and make it available to the birds, at least till it, uh, you know, it, it warms back up a little bit. Some birds are incidentally ground feeders and prefer to have seeds scattered uh, around the bushes or under, uh, around your deck in more protected areas from predators. And a lot of mine, I do mix my seeds. I do get sunflower, but I also mix it with the smaller seeds. And as it falls out, I happen not to mind the ground doves or the, or the morning doves. And so uh, they just clean up, in essence, what uh, the songbirds have decided they don't want to eat and have thrown out. I mentioned birdhouses. If you have them, you can just leave them up. Some people think you should take them down because birds aren't nesting and the houses may attract unwanted critters of some kind. Oh, then I can't imagine anything I wouldn't want. And while it's true that birds aren't nesting during the colder months, a number of different birds use birdhouses for roosting, especially on those freezing cold nights and winter storms. Sometimes with multiple birds I've seen cramming into a single house which also probably helps uh, the heat situation. You could also add some roosting materials such as dry grass or wood shavings to the bottom of that house to help the birds stay warm. Do remember to avoid moisture absorbing materials though, like sawdust, not a good idea. Wood shavings are probably okay, sawdust, probably not a good idea. And especially for those though that have really colder winters, be sure and provide a water source somewhere. Don't worry about the birds bathing in it and freezing. That just barely, if ever, ever happens. They won't get their feathers wet when the air temperature is below freezing. <laughs> it's too cold. Depending on how cold it is in your area, you might want to change the water seven times a day or empty the water source at night to keep the water from freezing. Or, believe it or not, if you're a real conscientious bird lover, they now make little solar run little heaters that will keep the water just above freezing or you can have a plug-in if you're near the house if you're still concerned about the water causing the birds to freeze don't make the water source too deep that way they'll be able to get into and out of it um, without a lot of bother and if, the other thing i do is in the bigger ones i put rocks in there they can literally stand on the rocks within the water itself but yeah i leave wide enough areas that they're able to bathe if they want to and finally, some of you don't agree, but don't forget the four-legged creatures, okay? Squirrels have a great sense of smell and can detect food from a long way. Putting out food blends made for critters in a different part of your yard probably will also help uh, keep them from attacking or invading uh, your bird feeders. And to me, it's a win-win. I enjoy the squirrels and the chipmunks at least as much as I do the birds most of the time. And now to change the subject completely, but I actually had someone write me. Oh, it was actually, I think, not this past week's mail, but the mail before I just was, didn't get around to it, but I'm going to do this for her now. Her name was Genevieve. I don't remember. I don't think she gave me her last name. Asking me, believe it or not, about how safe her sponges are in her home. Now, I, hadn't, I can't say I've never thought about that because I actually, well, I'm going to tell you the method I use. But I thought, okay, it's worth, if she's interested, maybe other people are. So let me give you a few thoughts on that. Sponges are really, I think, essential for really good cleaning, at least around my kitchen. I use them to scrub dishes, the kitchen counters, 
any grimy surface, but I like sponges and cloths because I don't like to use an unnecessary amount of paper towels. And yes, I have to admit, I have some seventh generation paper towels in my home. So sometimes it becomes a necessity. I am an animal lover and sometimes it's just the best single easiest thing you can do. But sponges can harbor, this is a number I looked up, I couldn't believe, a Kitchen sponge that hasn't been cleaned at all can harbor, listen to this number, 45 billion microbes, and that's per square centimeter, folks. A little area about five times the size of a pencil eraser. 45 billion. Think about that. And if you're using your scrubby for more than a week, sometimes it's saying it's time to throw away the sponge. I spoke, oh, this is several years ago. I spoke to a guy that was actually my, my, my daughter is a microbiologist. And she had a friend and, and he had happened to look into it just out of curiosity. And he figured out that it's really a hotbed for bacteria. As a matter of fact, he mentioned to me, it might be a, a dirtier area of your home than your bathroom. So let's talk about the best way to keep your dishwashing gear, which includes sponges, uh, as clean and safe as you can. I have to mention one other study I found that was done at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Uh, studied sponges, believe it or not, and figured out there's about 360 kinds of bacteria living in your kitchen sponge at any one time. You're giving them food by getting food on the sponge, and they're warm because you're using warm water and hot water, and even the hottest water doesn't kill some of the bacteria, and is, unless it's boiling, and is a perfect uh, breeding ground for bacteria to grow. Now, here's on the good side. A paper published in the Journal of Environmental Health I read was, well, this was several years ago, found that kitchen sponges housed even more bacteria, oh, here's what that, that, <laughs> that info came from, than your bathrooms do. And unless you're using antibacterial dish soap, hand washing won't sanitize your dishes completely. However, scrubbing with soap will lift bacteria off the surfaces so they can be washed away by water if you do it correctly. And for more good news from that study, for the most part, the bacteria that's on your sponges are not pathogens. There's a difference now between bacteria and dangerous bacteria we call pathogens. They're probably not going to make you sick for the most part. Old, dirty sponges may smell bad, but they're really highly unlikely to have very many harmful bacteria on them. So I looked into the way to clean them. And, and I'll get to what I do, and that's actually the best, I think. First, you can soak them in a solution of diluted bleach, and it seems to be pretty helpful. And that'll help kill off a good number of the microbes on your sponge. And matter of fact, it says done properly 99.9%, .9%, just not 100%. But just putting your dishwasher sponges in, in your washing machine uh, or dishwasher it just really is not that effective, folks. You'd think it would be. The, the, besides using the bleached method, number one ends up, what I do, using the microwave can really, really help sanitize your kitchen sponges. I mean, do you realize dishwashers are designed for cleaning hard surfaces like dishes, but do not have uh, enough kill power, I guess I want to use it for, for sanitizing your soft, porous sponges. Quickly, here's my method. To sanitize the sponges I use, I first wet them. I run them underwater for a few seconds so 
You, believe it or not, a totally dry sponge could possibly catch on fire in a microwave. So make sure it's wet. Then microwave it for a full minute on high. It's going to sound like a hot, but that's, that's what's proven to be the best. You can also place a pot of water and boil it for five minutes if you don't have a microwave. Okay. The other alternative is soaking it in a solution of bleach, and that's about three-quarters of a cup to a gallon of water, but in the test that I saw, didn't work as effectively as a good microwave. Oh, I do want to mention one thing. <laughs> if your microwave has metal in it, some of them have metal straps or metal parts on them, please don't put it in the microwave. Uh, stick to the bleach or don't do it at all. And even at that, it's mentioned in this same article that every couple of weeks you probably should replace the sponges anyway. So more than you probably ever want to know about your kitchen sponge. <laughs> Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.